I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Everybody in the Pool, the podcast for the climate economy. We dive deep into the climate crisis and come up with solutions. I'm your host, Molly Wood. This week, I'm here to ruin your barbecue. Yeah, I know it's Labor Day weekend here in the U.S. You're getting the burgers ready and the chicken wings and the whatnot. So what better week to talk about the, no pun intended, elephant in the room, not that any monster would ever eat an elephant, veganism. When I talk to people about personal climate actions that have real meaning, first, most people ask me whether recycling even matters. We covered that back in episode 11. Then they ask me, and always in the same tone, Do I have to go vegan? And the reason so many people ask that is because we increasingly kind of know that meat and the way we raise and slaughter and package and consume meat is a huge contributor to global warming, deforestation, water use, energy consumption, and it's bad for your health. And it's not just kind of a huge climate emitter. Last year, one research paper determined that if we ended all meat and dairy production and switched the global food system to plant-based over the next 15 years, that would cancel out every other sector's greenhouse gas emissions for the next 30 to 50 years. This is a thought experiment, obviously, but the point is, yeah, the answer is yes. Reducing your meat consumption, going vegetarian, going completely plant-based, yeah, it works. Meat accounts for about 60% of your personal greenhouse gas emissions. Beef alone is 45% of that. A vegan diet creates 75% less greenhouse gas emissions, water pollution, and land use than a heavily based meat diet. And all of this came right to the front of my brain recently because of this woman. I'm Jessica Ressler, and I have lived in New York for 25 years. I'm an immersive experiential designer. And so that's a very niche part of marketing that kind of combines live and digital experiences. And the reason that we're talking today is I am a militant, passionate, ethical vegan. And I'm incredibly excited to be on your pod. See, Jessica sent me an email. I'm a huge fan of yours, and I absolutely have so much respect for you and what you're doing. So so basically what happened was you had sent out a newsletter, which I subscribed to, And you were talking about the devastation in Maui. And what actually what urged me to email you is you had a picture that had a burger in it. And and I a big burger too. It was a big burger. It's a a big big burger. burger. It was a biggie. And I try to take time, you know, maybe an hour a week just to send out emails and most of which are ignored. But I just send out emails urging people to do something vegan. So I email the New York Times all the time and ask them to change their cooking section to to plant-based only. And so I, I emailed you and I just said, um, I think it was something about, you know, that you're just doing such wonderful work in your climate warriorship. And would you be interested in some tips and tricks on how to go vegan? And so that's where we started. And you wrote the loveliest email back. And so I really appreciated that. And I said... 
maybe. <laughs> you know, she's like, can I convince you to go vegan? And I was like, maybe, but why don't we, why don't we just maximize the impact here? And so yeah. I'll be the, this seems like an unfortunate term, guinea pig for this effort. <laughs> um, but let's, let's see who else we can bring along on this journey. Let me, um, let me start by asking how you got here. Yeah. And are you a vegan for climate reasons, for ethical reasons, some combination of both? At what point did sort of the climate part of that enter your world? Yeah, for sure. So I stopped eating meat at 10 years old. And growing up in Seattle, it was not so uncommon to run across families that are vegan vegetarian. But the reason that I stopped is my little sister, who's a genius, is always been the smartest person in our family, had asked my mom when she was eight years old, you know, does this fish that we're going to eat, did it used to be alive? Mm. And my mom explained it to her. And so she stopped eating animal products. And then I started thinking about it. And I remember just sort of this flip switching in my head because I've always been, you know, one of those people that really loves to be around animals. And I, I stopped eating meat. And so, and then when I was in high school, um, I became impassioned and I used to attend youth organizations and travel around and I got involved in vegan community. And the reason being is it, it's all of the things that you just said. So the ethical reason, of course, but I'm not going to go into that because your focus is definitely climate economy. Well, I think it's still like, I think it still matters. And, and actually the way that we, the profoundly cruel way that we mass produce meat is a big part of the reason why it's so bad for climate. So I would say like, let's, let's do it all. Okay, great. Well, I, I appreciate that invitation. So Definitely animal uh, animal welfare. And, and to me, that also is part of another topic about that, which is just promoting violence inside of societies. And when every meal that you're consuming involves mm. a murder of a sentient being, yeah, that concerns me. So there was that side of it. The climate side was super huge to me. And even starting with this in high school, you know, I always say the numbers haven't changed. They've gotten worse and faster. So th we added more zeros and we accelerated what's essentially we're starting to see today. So that was a big part to me. And, you know, 25 years ago, it felt so exciting to be part of a group of people that were just jazzed up about like, if we start this now, we actually have the ability to change the clock and change the tide. Jessica told me the more she got involved and started to become a real vegan evangelist, the more she also started thinking about injustice, food deserts, all the ways we've reduced people's access to healthy, nutritious food. She thought about healthcare and all the reasons we might be sick in this country because of what we eat. And and then I, what I throw at people all the time is vanity. I, vanity can be a great motivator and I am not afraid <laughs> to pull vanity out of my toolkit. Yeah. You know, if you want young glowing skin and you want energy and, you know, my, the majority of my family is vegan. My mom is 72 years old and does yoga, you know, every day. And she is bouncing off the walls like a 12 year old and can do the splits on every side. So, I mean, your skin is crazy. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. Like you got listeners, you can't see this, but <laughs> your skin is beautiful. <laughs> so there's that. What I want to get, we're going to come back to benefits, but I feel like in my role here as 
convincey slash, you know, audience representative. Let's talk about the the reasons why people don't do this. I, yeah. you know, and I'm actually going to use my stepmother, hi, Suze, as um, a little bit of an avatar for us here because she wants to, right? Okay. So there's, so the, the, the big question I think is, is the, the social question, like, how hard is it to be yes. the vegan in the room if, for example, your husband or everybody around you, you know, isn't and doesn't want to? So this is a big part of my tips and tricks. I mm-hmm. think that community for every aspect of something that you're taking on is incredibly important. And if you don't have vegans in your life, it is harder to do it. And it's the same kind of thing as when you tell people, I stopped drinking and everyone stops inviting you to parties or you know, has that moment where they look in the mirror and they feel so judged and they lose their mind when you, you know, order a seltzer or whatever. It's the same thing here. So having vegan community to take this step is really important, whether you find that online or, you know, I'm someone that sniffs out the vegans in like, we just moved to a new building. I've already met four vegans. <laughs> so I think across the board, when, if you're a newbie, finding the community, and even if it's online or asking a friend to do it with you, whatever it is, is a huge part of the social pressure. And, you know, to that point as well, like I love to say vegan because it, it sparks debate and it, it sometimes riles people up so much that they'll ask me questions. But if someone is more comfortable to say plant-based because they want the heat off of them, Mm. say plant-based or don't even tell people it's honestly nobody's business what you're eating a lot of Mm -hmm. times. still. It's true. Although now, I mean, interestingly, I I would say now we're out in the world and people it's much more common to be asked at a restaurant or in advance of a party. Absolutely. And to your point too, I mean, there's just right now today, there are 61,000 registered plant-based products. When I started being vegan 25 years, 27 years ago, there was not that. It was a lot of food that tasted like cardboard. It was really hard. The social pressure was tough. I remember cooking a tofurkey for my vegan then brother-in-law that just smelled like socks and asshole garbage totally there's no other way to say it yeah like i you know not to be crass but mm. no it's completely true and that's just not the case anymore i mean we're just in such a different place that there's really nothing you're you're craving you know that you're not going to find out there okay let's keep kind of running down people's people's gut response to this like oh god i love it why is vegetarian not enough? Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, to be honest, I call dairy liquid meat. Mm. Uh, it's not so different. And when you, you know, it was funny because I was talking to a woman recently that my mom introduced me to is, is on her vegan journey. And she said that her mother actually believed that the way cows produce milk is that they eat grass and then they produce milk. And that's really obviously, as we know, far from what happens. And so, you know, the, the way that we actually get to milk is incredibly sad. And not to mention, I just don't find um, any evidence of the safety of those products. So, you know, these are pumped through of hormones. These are pumped through of antibiotics. Again, we look at the climate situation here, the amount of land, water and resources that it takes to, you know, continue these practices is just completely out of whack. And then you look at the other side of this versus if you eat a vegan diet, plant-based diet, whatever you want to call it that makes you happy, 
you reduce your green gas emissions, your heat green gas emissions by 75% with every meal. I mean, this is this is significant. And once the once the blinders start to come off and once the cloud lifts, it's undeniable if you're in a climate journey to not want to be a part of that climate journey. So it's one and the same. And you know, we can get into the chicken industry and all of it, but uh, it's just as bad, unfortunately. Yeah. You brought up food deserts and inequity. And also, because those exist, there is a bit of a question around privilege, I think. Like, yeah, there are certain neighborhoods, if you live in a food desert and McDonald's is what you got, right? Like, it's a bit of a climb to say, or you have to be in a bit of a privileged position to be able to choose this in the first place. Is that fair? That certainly is a conversation. That is completely fair. I would absolutely be the first person to acknowledge that you know, I personally sit in a very privileged position being a middle-aged white woman in New York City um, and, you know, who has had a lot of opportunities, who has higher education, et cetera. And I'm not going to say for any second that I understand what it's like to be nurturing and raising a family in a low-income scenario. So I would absolutely acknowledge the privilege. But what I would also say to that is how sad that this is a privilege. Mm -hmm. And when you really look at climate destruction, who are the neighborhoods and the communities that are going to go first? We already know this. This is low-income families who are going to get incredibly hit hard, who are going to have to be displaced, who don't have the means or the resources to be displaced. Mm -hmm. You know, and the problem here again, and this is where the privilege is the social justice issue as well. It's two sides of the same coin, is that the lack of information, the lack of resource, the food deserts we mentioned, the the costing, et cetera. You know, I I buy all kinds of vegan delicacies that are completely ridiculous. And, you know, it's part of the way that I try to help convert people. And I've converted hundreds of people to this diet and lifestyle. Um, but that's not a reality. So what I would say to that is that there that doesn't also mean that the only possibility is to continue to feed your family McDonald's or Wendy's, et cetera. And I'm not making a judgment if that's the reality for some people, but there's a ton of things that you can do that are incredibly wonderful. And if you took out all of my bougie vegan things that I do, I'm buying bulk grains, I'm buying bulk rice, I'm buying you know bulk lentils, bulk peas. So the there is access and there's a lot of things you can do as well, which is, you know, meal prep is hard for really busy families, but there's often an opportunity to make something and freeze it. There's an opportunity to, again, if we're developing community, to have community resources where, you know, families can pull together and eat like this. And and one of the people that I love the most is Ron Finley, the gangster gardener. Have you seen his TED talk? No. Amazing. Oh, he's fantastic. So he lives in Compton and he started growing vegetables in the medians of uh, his street. And um, he got shut down several times by the city until people petitioned to allow him to continue to do this. And he has this story about, you know, the saddest day in the world was we saw a woman coming to grab some of his vegetables and she thought she was robbing him. And she felt, you know, embarrassed and shamed. And he was, he explained to her that he was growing it in the median so that people in the community can have access. So mm-hmm. I see a sea change happening. You know, that's the largest hope here is that 
um, families can pull together and come up with these kinds of solutions. And even if it's growing vegetables in community gardens and pulling those resources together and teaching kids, if kids grow vegetables, they want to eat vegetables and right. all of this kind of stuff. But it all does have to work together. And I, I absolutely do recognize the privilege, you know, sitting here today from that other side of it. I think it's important to point out too, though, that, um, in the, in the theory that a drop becomes a flood, well, two things like vegetables are cheap right? yeah, <laughs> compared to meat. They are like meat. When people have been talking about inflation, it's like gas and beef, right? I mean, mm-hmm. meat is expensive compared to vegetables, but also in the kind of theory that a drop becomes a flood, as people are adopting this way of eating, we are starting to see impossible burgers at McDonald's, right? Like, so yeah, it, so it's, I often and unabashedly like this podcast targets rich people because rich people consume the most and have the buying power to make significant change. So if you are in a privileged position, your job is to use it or be a climate criminal. I'm just saying. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, no pressure. All right. We're going to take a quick break so that all of us can take a look inside our refrigerators. Hey, man, I'm right here with you. When we come back, we'll tackle two of the biggest questions people have about going vegan or vegetarian. And yes, protein is one of them. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, we're back with Jessica Resler, who is breaking down the questions that you might have if you are increasingly plant curious. Moving on. Okay, so now I brought up this topic of impossible. Now there are vegan replacements for things. And then there's this big question of like all the all the ingredients in those. So can we compare and contrast, you know, like the Beyond Sausage to beef? A hundred percent. So we can definitely do that. So if you want to really get into this side, you know, what you're giving up with the meat-based products is cholesterol. You're giving up incredibly high fat counts, but what you're gaining when you eat the vegan side is fewer calories and you're actually in a lot of cases getting more protein. And we can we can hot button protein in, in a second. Yeah, we're coming back to that for sure. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I like this is one of my favorite vegan topics. <laughs> So, <laughs> oh my God, this is so fun. <laughs> it's it really like, is. ask a vegan. Like, I'm going to collect a bunch of questions and just keep having you back every few months. <laughs> Anytime. I love this. So um, one thing that I would really love to point out, and this is where I think we do a lot of disservice by pushing too many of the meat substitute products, is that veganism is not necessarily about just subbing one for one what you, you would have had in your other food. So it's not about trying to eat a chicken, a fake chicken, chicken salad. Instead, I would say try to eat a butternut squash salad, a roasted butternut squash salad, or making a patty with lentils and black beans and sweet potatoes. And the thing that really does happen when you adopt this lifestyle is that 
a lot of the foods that people crave, they think they're craving meat. But the reality is I've never met one person who is craving a boiled chicken with no flavor on it, slapped onto a plate with no vegetables around it. So what you're craving is crispiness, you're craving fried, you're craving barbecue sauce, you're craving savory seasonings that go on top of that. And that is absolutely achievable with it's called flavor. <laughs> you know, the other thing, it's, it's funny, like when people say, I don't like tofu, I'm like, well, what did you eat it with? Like, did you just cook it? Like, what did you season it with? You know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reality is I, I'm not a, I'm a plant person. I almost never actually eat the meat-based substitutes because I don't like them. Mm-hmm. I, I like eating whole grains, vegetables, and fruits. Mm-hmm. So I don't, like people to think that that's what they have to do. I think if it's a means to an end and it gets you there, please, by all means, go there. Right. So like you might think that Beyond Meat has too many chemicals in it, but you don't have to eat it. There's still plenty of things for you to eat, right? Is that the, that's kind of the takeaway? I still think it's healthier. I'm never going to, to me, Beyond Meat is incredibly healthier than when you talk about, you know, so this is something that happens is because I'm so passionate when I go out to dinner with people, they often say to me, Am I going to offend you if I eat meat in front of you? Is Are you going to be bothered? And I usually say to them, if you want to eat something that died six to eight weeks ago, is full of antibiotics and bleach and isn't that color, go ahead. But I love you. And if I saw a friend drinking Drano, I would try to stop them. So yeah. let's, let's eat plant-based tonight. Right. Okay, let's keep going. Protein. Talk to me about protein. I did. I told you, I think on our uh, first call that I did a like seven day vegan challenge with my son and all I ate was carbs and I felt absolutely horrible. And everybody's like, well, I can't possibly get swole without Mm -hmm. carrying chicken breasts everywhere I go. (laughs) Right. Ah. Well, okay. I've I've got a lot to get into here. Yeah. So I'm going to start just on a personal note. Um, My youngest sister is she was a bodybuilder and she did body contests for years and she would do the thing where she would eat boiled chicken in a bag and only broccoli and then she wouldn't even be able to talk to her about anything except this 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 was all she talked about etc and she could never get 12 pack abs it was the bane of her existence so she went vegan three or four years ago. And let me tell you, those abs, I, it's like a washboard. It's insane. <laughs> She's packed on more muscle. Here comes the vanity. I know I'm totally like, oh, tell me more about the abs. Here comes the vanity for sure. Absolutely. And she... Then she's like, I didn't change my exercise. I didn't change anything else. The one thing I changed is I went vegan. Hmm. So that's a personal. And, you know, we can't personalize this across the board because obviously personal stories don't affect. Everybody's body is different. Exactly. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm never going to have 12 pack abs and I'm fine with that. But I'm so happy for my sister. Mm -hmm. But um, here's the reality. The animal is the middleman to your protein consumption. So the protein that you are eating is because the animal ate a plant or grain, et cetera, that was full of protein and that protein you are eating from them. And so you can bypass that completely by just eating lentils, broccoli, spinach, uh, quinoa, tofu, any, you name it, the peanuts, peanut butter, walnut, any of the nuts, whatever. And 
you are going to get a higher quality protein because it's not filled with bleach, antibiotics, uh, hormones, supplements, etc. Mm-hmm. And that protein is more digestible for your body. And you, if you want to get swole, you will get swole. But for just the average everyday person, like this is what I also say to people. Have you ever met someone in your entire life who knows someone in the United States or you know someone that has been health compromised by protein deficiency? (laughs) I mean, can you name anyone? Can you name anyone at all? It's incredibly rare. You would have to neglect it. You would have to treat a person like a caged animal in the United States and just it's just incredibly rare. It's not possible. Hmm. Uh, it's possible, but it's, it's possible. really hard. You're talking extreme neglect. However, let me ask you this question. Do you know people with diabetes, type 2, uh, type two diabetes, obesity, heart disease, cancer, all of these types of hypertension, inflammation? Well, only 5% of Americans intake the proper fiber amount. So the deficiency that we have in our diet is fiber related and fiber is, is comes into your body through the wonderful source of plants, grains, and fruits. Okay. So then let's talk transition. So for, for folks who have been convinced here, yeah, it, it's not, it's non-trivial. It sounds like there's a lot, there is more meal prep probably, right? Than you're, you maybe. Maybe not. It doesn't feel like you have to involve meal prep in every damn thing you do. We always create this big barrier. Like if you're not cooking all day Sunday, you can't do it. That's it's just not true. It's not true. You don't. There's a million places you can go. There's a different a million different ways you can order. But it also just depends on what your health goals and what your motivation is. Sometimes you feel so helpless. What can I possibly do as one person? And to you know, the recycling thing. It's just like, what can I possibly do? Is this even helping? Et cetera. And here's what you can do. You can actually eat plant-based vegan, whatever you want to call it, whatever, call it unicorn for all I care. It doesn't matter. (laughs) What you can do is make that choice to be put on your cape when you go into the kitchen and be a hero three times a day or more like me if you snack all day. So, you know, this is the largest impact that you can make. You can do the research, you can solve, you can watch game changers, you can find all the things, but it's, it's not a deniable thing that this will help us to get to the other side of this. So if that's if that's part of your motivation, be a junk food vegan for all I care. Eat the burgers, go to the, you know, do the stuff. Whatever it is that gets you to that other side is going to be worth it in the long run and you are going to feel better. But if you are someone that really cares about nutrition, health, longevity, et cetera, there's no better way you can eat. Yep. And it's not, in terms of getting started, like, there's a million recipes. I think the New York Times has some vegan recipes now. Like They do. Not enough for me, but. <laughs> what would you say are the, what are the like baby step ways to come in? You know, is it like take the milk, get oat milk? Like, you know. <laughs> it's exactly. So first is saying, what are my substitutes? So what are, yes, it's the oat milk, it's the almond, it's whatever milk you want to go for, get into the milk. And then it's starting slow and sort of analyzing like when do you get your cravings and what is that craving is it salt is it sugar is it fat because those are the flavors we're addicted to so it's figuring out those cravings when they're going to hit and being prepared for it so if you know that you need something creamy you know around four go for that vegan ice cream and have in the fridge i mean that's one of the 
I would say leading innovations of the movement. Like the ice cream is so goddamn good, but But it's a really great bridge. Really great bridge. Yeah. Okay. And there's salty stuff. I know there are salty vegan snacks out there. I've seen them. Oh my God. There's more than that. Again, you know, 61,000 products on the market. We're talking chips and salsa. You could, you know, nuts and et cetera. You can, um, like I have something on my desk right now that's like a vegan mushroom jerky. That's so good. Dried mango, whatever it is. There's so many ways to do that. And then also, you know, give yourself the grace. It's like coming off of any addiction. Relapse is part of it. And so understanding that if you fall off or you have what people like to call a cheat meal, even though I hate that as part of this, because I'm like, to me, you know, cheating isn't that I sometimes murder a toddler but whatever. <laughs> you have done such a good job, by the way, of moderating. Like I know that inside there's. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for yeah. thank amazing you for, me for that. Amazing. Yeah, um, but have that relapse and then come back to the other side because you've still done so much and you should applaud yourself for getting as far as you did and not say it's all or nothing as we do in this country with everything. Mm-hmm. Jessica, thank you so much. Thank you for emailing me. Thank you. Thanks for being our resident vegan. I think think we may have to uh, institute an Ask a Vegan segment. This is incredible. Okay, so, I mean, listen, it is hard to deny. Here's the good news. I am a huge believer in starting with less. As you know, if you listen to the show, at the end of the day, the best thing American consumers can do is to consume less of everything. And there's no doubt that includes meat. Red meat first, other meats after. To prepare for this interview, I will tell you I ordered a vegan and gluten-free burrito from Senior Sisig in Oakland, the best Filipino food truck anywhere. And to find out how it was, you can find the video on my Instagram at Mollywood Pro. Since I talked to Jessica, I've been trying to eat one vegan meal a day, which isn't as hard as I thought it would be, actually. To make it easier on myself, I also signed up for a plant-based meal kit a couple times a week, including a few snacks. I'll let you know how it goes. I owe you, the planet, yes, the cute freaking animals, and Jessica that much. And, you know, maybe like, let's see what happens to my abs. Am I right? That's it for this week, everybody. Please like and subscribe and rate this podcast. It really helps. Please email me your thoughts and suggestions. I really read them in at everybodyinthepool.com. And if you want to become a subscriber and get an ad-free version of the show, hit the link in the description in your podcast app of choice. Thank you to those of you who already have. I am very grateful because, man, do I love doing this show. See you next week. 